Have you ever said to somebody, be patient? Or maybe you've had to look in the mirror and say it to yourself, just be patient. Or maybe you've had to say it as you were stuck in freeway traffic. When somebody says, hey, pray for patience, say no. I entitled this message, Be Patient. And the week that I was doing the sermon, God was certainly challenging me with my own lack of patience. Do you struggle in this area with patience? Do you need more of it? Well, today we're going to deal with the phrase, be patient on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Notice in verse 7 of James 5, it says, Be patient, therefore. So whenever we see that, that word, therefore, we look back and we realize that what was happening to these uh, poor Christians is that they were day laborers, verse 4, James 5. They had mowed fields but their pay had been withheld and they were crying out to God and their cry had reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabaoth or the Lord of the angel armies. The God of angel armies is always by my side, sings Chris Tomlin. And so in these kinds of circumstances, remember I explained to you the context of James 5, 1 through 6 last time that the day laborers, if they didn't get paid at the end of the day, they starved and so did their families. That's injustice. That's a big question mark. Like, Lord, how are you going to help us in this? And so they were crying out to God. And James says, be patient, brethren. Until what? Until the coming of the Lord. Behold, here's an illustration. The farmer waits. And remember, these guys were involved in an agrarian culture. They were working on farms so that they could get this illustration. James 5, latter half of verse 7. James says, look at the farmer. He waits for the precious produce of the soil. And you'll notice that patient or patience is going to be mentioned four times in this little section. The farmer being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. NIV says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn fall and the spring rains. We have to keep plowing in preparation for the harvest. And in Matthew 13, Jesus actually uses harvest imagery to describe his second coming. He says there's going to be a time of the harvest, and the time of the harvest is the day of the Lord. And that's when he will bring the wheat into the barn, and he will destroy those who are the wicked, the ungodly, who have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus describes fire and radical implications of his second coming. So we have to do preparation until the Lord comes. And we're involved in the harvest right now. The fields are white unto what? Harvest. We're supposed to be harvesting until the Lord comes. We're supposed to be occupying until he comes. We are to plant. One plants, another waters. But what? God brings the increase. We are supposed to be about the work of the harvest until the harvester comes, if you will. And I have to ask my question, am I? Am I about the Lord's business? Because I realize that the Lord has been patient because he doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so I have a part in the harvest right now. I'm to plant seeds, another waters. God brings the increase. I'm to be about evangelism. I'm to teach the word of God. I'm to throw the seed out 
and watch what God does. Many believe that James is uh, actually expositing or commenting on Psalm 37. I want you to turn there. And as you turn to Psalm 37, I'm going to read Psalm 27, 13 and 14. So you want Psalm 37. Here's Psalm 27, 13 and 14. It says, I would have despaired unless I had believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. This is Psalm 37, verse 7. Psalm 37, verse 7. This has become a precious psalm to many of you. It starts out this way. Psalm 37, 7 says, Rest in or be still before the Lord. Psalm 37, 7. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Think of these early Christians pondering this psalm. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. In James 1.20, James says, The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And I'm sure that some of these early day laborers were getting angry and they wanted to take matters into their own hands. And when we lack patience, that's what we do. We take matters into our own hands and we oftentimes create a mess that way. But it says in verse 10 or verse 9, For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more and you will look carefully for his place and he will not be there. But the humble, think of James 4, 6, when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. The humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow. James 4, 2 said that some people were even perhaps being murdered to cast down the afflicted and the needy, to slay those who are upright in conduct. We do the right thing, and sometimes we think there's going to be a payoff, and there's not, and we say, Lord, what's going on with that? But their sword, notice, will enter their own heart. Their bows will be broken. Better is the, is the little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil and in the days of famine they will have abundance. But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. Life is but a vapor. We saw at the end of James 4. It's here today, gone tomorrow. The wicked borrows and does not pay back but the righteous is gracious and gives. For those blessed by him will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he shall not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. And I want to give you these verses in the New Living Translation because it's beautiful. It says, verses 23 and 24, it says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. And so we can see that the farmer has to wait for the rain, and sometimes the rain doesn't come on schedule. Turn back to the book of James. He has to wait for the cycle to happen. He has to be patient. He has to wait for the early and latter rains. The, most of the rain comes in the fall in Israel, 
from the fall to the winter months, and then the spring rains come. And so he has to keep planting and keep waiting. He has to do things and then trust in the process. And some of you need to do that as well. Trust in the process. Trust in the Lord. Submit to the process and wait on him. Uh, if, if you go out and plant a seed, let's say that you were going to plant some tomatoes in your backyard and you, you put the seed into the ground and you water it a little bit. If you come out a couple hours later and go, what's going on? There's no tomatoes here. Uh, you got to wait. We all would like to, you ever seen those, the, the speeding up of the plant growth? You know, it's, the plant goes up. Wow. Well, that's sped up. <laughs> and the Lord says, you need to wait. You see, God can work even in the waiting. Some years ago, a good brother who's since moved out of state was in the hospital. And he was going through some tough times and he didn't know what was going on. And he had questions, but there was someone who was brought into the hospital bed next to him. And he had the privilege of leading that man to Jesus Christ. And so we just never know how the Lord's going to redeem the time, <clears throat> do more than we could have expected. A young boy went to the local store with his mother. The shop owner was a kindly man, passed him a large jar of suckers and invited him uh, himself to a handful. Well, uncharacteristically, the boy held back. So the shop owner pulled out a handful of the lollipops and uh, he handed them to the boy. When outside, the boy's mother asked why he had suddenly been so shy and wouldn't take a handful of the suckers when offered. The boy replied, because his hand is much bigger than mine, Mom. <clears throat> See, underneath us are the everlasting arm, arms, and God wants to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so we have to wait. The Lord is sowing seed through his people into a world that needs to experience the life and growth that the gospel brings. So James 5.8 says, you too be patient. When we hear a message like this, we can think, oh, well, James is writing to somebody else. No, he says, you too, <laughs> all of us, we need to be patient. He says, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. NIV, James 5.8 says, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. This is the second mention of the coming of the Lord. And this is what we wait for. And as we wait, we're to strengthen our hearts. Have the resolve to put iron into your hearts, says the Williams translation. We're to take uh, refuge and delight in the vindication that the second coming will bring. Jesus is going to make everything that's been wrong right again. Do you believe that? There's going to be a millennial reign of Jesus Christ. People will beat their sores into plowshares. They will learn war no more. The wolf and the lamb will lie down together. The young child will play at the hole of the snake. And there will be peace in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. That's what's coming. Eden will be restored. What God intended in the beginning will be restored. And so we are to strengthen our hearts, to stand firm. Sterizo in the Greek <clears throat> means to set fast, to turn resolutely in a certain direction. Same word is used in Luke 9:51 when Jesus uh, resolutely determined to set his face to go to Jerusalem. He knew what he was going to have. 
Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you a little bit about a college that we have going. It's called the Truth Academy. It meets at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, and it's an apologetic school with also an emphasis on theology. Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to be more equipped to share your faith in the public square? Well, this school will help you. And here's Joe Kelly, the director of the Truth Academy, to tell you more. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Boy, has there ever been a time where the need has been greater for God's people to know what they believe and why they believe it? Well, the Truth Academy is here to help the believer contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So I'd encourage our listeners, Pastor Michael, to go online to thetruthacademy.com. Take a look, see what we have to offer. Our classes are available either in person if you live in Southern California, or if you want to take a class online, that's available too. You can learn from the comfort of your own home. Once again, that's thetruthacademy.com. We look forward to having you as a student in the near future. Thanks, Joe. That's exciting news. Thetruthacademy.com to give reasons for faith, reasons for hope in our culture. Man, it's so desperately needed. Check it out today, thetruthacademy.com. The wolf and the lamb will lie down together. The young child will play at the hole of the snake. And there will be peace in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. That's what's coming. Eden will be restored. What God intended in the beginning will be restored. And so we are to strengthen our hearts, to stand firm. Sterizo in the Greek means to set fast, to turn resolutely in a certain direction. Same word is used in Luke 9.51 when Jesus uh, resolutely determined to set his face to go to Jerusalem. He knew what he was going to have to uh, endure, but he was looking towards the end of the process. He had to face the cross, but more than that, the, the garden, the whipping, the betrayal, the desertion. He had to face the cat of nine tails. He had to endure the cross and the the shame that went with it. But he was looking to the end that you would end up in heaven because of what he did. And so we have to endure sometimes even affliction, knowing that that process of suffering precedes glory. It's not easy. In fact, this word derives from a root word meaning to cause to stand up or to prop up. One writer says, James urges those about to collapse under the weight of persecution to prop themselves up with the hope of the Savior's return or to lean into the Lord. This is what we need, for the Lord is near. The coming of the Lord is at hand. For every generation, we look to the coming of the Lord. And since we're 2,000 years removed, how close might we be? We've seen the return of Israel to the land. We've seen them recapture Jerusalem. How close might we be to a couple of events falling into place on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? And what might we have to endure if the church goes through some of Daniel's 70th week or has to face tribulation and even face the Antichrist, depending on your view of the end times, we may have to steal our hearts to be resolute under economic duress and persecution and the forcing of the mark and all that goes with it. And some of us, we sit here as those spectators thinking, well, it's not going to touch me. But the Lord says, you need to prepare your heart as well. We just don't know what's going to come our way. See, the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Romans 13, 12. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. We need to be strong 
in the Lord and the strength of his might. When we're lacking patience or going through tough times, verse 9 applies. It says, do not complain, brethren, against one another, that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. How many of us can say that when we've been maybe in a tight place and we've been under pressure and we're waiting on God or waiting on circumstances, we start to take it out on those closest to us. We get, begin to complain, maybe even about the Lord and about other people. Imagine how strong this early church had to be with many people walking into the church and having eaten in several days and being ripped off by people who profess to be Christians. Imagine James taking the pulpit and looking out to a group of people and saying, be patient when they haven't eaten in three to four days and the checks that they were supposed to get were withheld and they've been praying and crying out to God. It's one thing when you can go out and have a pancake or a donut. It's another thing when it's hit your life, when reality has hit hard. And so don't complain it means to groan within oneself or to sigh. Sometimes we complain without complaining. Y'all know what I'm saying? Some of you know the body language of those closest to you or their sighs. <sighs> right? And somebody looks at you and says, what's wrong? What, I'm not complaining. <laughs> Yeah, you are. I've known you for 40 years. I know that's a complaint. Randy Kilgore writes, I was sitting with a group of passengers on an airport shuttle heading to our connecting flight when the bus driver was told to hold in place. It looked like we would miss our flight, and this was more than one passenger could handle. He exploded at the bus driver, insisted he ignore his orders or risk the wrath of a lawsuit. Just then, an airline employee came dashing up carrying a briefcase. Looking at the angry man, the airline employee triumphantly held up the briefcase. When he caught his breath, he said, Sir, you left your briefcase. I heard you mention how important your meeting was. I figured you would need this. If you don't get moving now, there'll be a lawsuit. Oh, that's my briefcase. Sorry. Have you ever been there before? You know, you kind of became like a little baby in the aisle of the grocery store. <laughs> and then you got a life lesson. Is this your briefcase? Is this your child? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sometimes. He goes on, I find myself impatient with God, especially about his return. I wonder, what could he be waiting on? The tragedies around us, the suffering of people we love, even the stresses of daily life all seem bigger than the fixes on the horizon. Then someone tells their story of having just met Jesus, or I discover God is still at work in the messes. And it reminds me of what I learned that day on the shuttle. There are stories and details that God knows that I don't. It reminds me to trust him and to remember that the story isn't about me. 
It's about God's plan to give time to others who don't yet know his son. And so Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may have cause to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. That's Philippians 2, 14 through 16. We need to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day of the Lord is coming. And the work of the harvest will be over then. And so right now we need to maximize the time. And so James says we need to chill out. Give each other some grace in these tight seasons of difficulty. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Live a life that's pleasing to him because we all must appear before the Bema seat of Christ. We're all going to give an account for how we lived and how we loved and how patient we were in times of difficulty. And so, a couple of examples and we're done. Verse 10. As an example, brethren, of this exhortation, James 5.10, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Which of the prophets did Israel not persecute? Try being Jeremiah. Try being Isaiah, who asked the Lord, okay, after he says, I'm here, send me. Give me some details on the mission. Well, you're going to keep going to these people, and you're going to tell them, I'm going to speak to you, but you're not going to listen. Can you imagine having a ministry where every week you went into a pulpit knowing that no one was going to listen to you? How long would you last? How long would you last if you were Noah building an ark and the only converts that you had were your family in probably a stretch of 120 years of ministry? How much patience does that take? You see, these examples, uh, and there are, there's a fuller list in one book back, Hebrews 11. Take a peek. It's worth looking at. Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith. Look at verse 32. Hebrews 11 32. The writer, after chronicling many of the great heroes of our Bible, Hebrews eleven thirty two 32 says, And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. That's who we're talking about, the prophets. Hebrews eleven thirty three, 33, Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting their release in order that they may, might obtain a better resurrection, 36. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with a sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, 
wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these having gained approval through their faith, through some very trying difficulty, did not receive what was promised. They didn't realize the promises in their lifetime is the idea. Because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. How many of the prophets do you think looked to the heavens and said, Lord, how long? Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you a little bit about a college that we have going. It's called the Truth Academy. It meets at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, and it's an apologetic school with also an emphasis on theology. Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to be more equipped to share your faith in the public square? Well, this school will help you. And here's Joe Kelly, the director of the Truth Academy, to tell you more. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Boy, has there ever been a time where the need has been greater for God's people to know what they believe and why they believe it? Well, the Truth Academy is here to help the believer contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So I'd encourage our listeners, Pastor Michael, to go online to thetruthacademy.com. Take a look, see what we have to offer. Our classes are available either in person if you live in Southern California, or if you want to take a class online, that's available too. You can learn from the comfort of your own home. Once again, that's thetruthacademy.com. We look forward to having you as a student in the near future. Thanks, Joe. That's exciting news. Thetruthacademy.com to give reasons for faith, reasons for hope in our culture. Man, it's so desperately needed. Check it out today, thetruthacademy.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.